I don't know about you, but I can hardly believe that in two weeks' time, it'll be Christmas Day. If you're anything like me, you still have a huge list of things to do. Things to organise, and of course, presents to buy. I think the problem is that so many of us, I'm certainly one of them, we are Christmas procrastinators. In 2012, a survey in the States said that at this time, with two weeks to go, over two-thirds of people hadn't finished their Christmas shopping. And 14% hadn't even started their shopping. And 9% of people who responded to that survey, they planned to be in the shops on Christmas Eve. Horrible time to be in the shops. Maybe it's a thought because the thought of Christmas shopping is so daunting. Or there is just too much choice. Or we uh, can't think what to buy somebody. Or we'll think we'll always see a better bargain in some other shop. But when it comes to Christmas shopping, many of us are willing to leave it as long as possible. And if we're honest, most of us will admit that putting it off to the last moment is never a good idea. It doesn't make it easier. It doesn't make it better. It doesn't help us to make good choices. And sometimes we even leave it too late. 4% of people in that survey, they said that because they didn't get around to buying a present, they're going to give somebody an IOU. (laughs) I'll buy a present sometime. Now procrastination is a bad idea when it comes to Christmas. But it's a whole lot worse when it comes to following Christ. It's bad enough to be too late to give a Christmas gift. But it's much more serious to be too late to receive God's gift to us. We're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 6 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1 down to verse 10. And we're going to think about how God doesn't want us to be too late. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1. As God's fellow, fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favour I heard you. And in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left through glory and dishonour, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing 
and yet possessing everything. We've been singing a lot about and thinking a lot about this morning God's grace. It's God's wonderful and outrageously loving gift that we don't deserve, that we cannot earn, that we could never pay back. And it's right at the heart of the Christian faith as grace is what Jesus came to give us. This is John chapter 1 verse 17. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The ministry of Moses revealed the standard of God's justice and holiness. But the problem was they were just always out of reach. God's law therefore left us all guilty and condemned and separated from him and destined to a lost eternity. It was a privilege to have the law, but all the law did was prove our sinfulness. But Jesus, he came to reveal the true height of God's purity and perfection. The true majesty of his character and his glory. The true extent of his wisdom and knowledge. But also the true depth of his love. Jesus came because God loved us so much that he was willing to take upon himself our sin so that through simple faith in him we could be declared righteous. We could be forgiven of all of our sins. We could be adopted into his family, be welcomed into his presence, be transformed by his spirit, be empowered by his gifts. Be involved in his kingdom. And one day, we could be with him for all eternity in heaven. This is the salvation that God offers to us by his grace. And this grace is available to everyone who comes to him in repentance and faith. Because as we thought about last week, Christ died for all. So it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what we've done in our life or what we've not done in our lives. It doesn't matter how far we think we are from God. Because of Christ, God's grace is available to all. This is what Paul experienced on the road to Damascus. He started on that journey as a self-righteous, hate-filled, zealously religious persecutor of the church. But by the time he arrived in Damascus, he was miraculously different. He'd been transformed into a new creation, forgiven and accepted, a child of God, an apostle of Christ Jesus. He didn't do this. He didn't deserve that. He didn't work for that. All he did was receive it by grace through faith when he met Jesus. 
And so he could write, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But the emphasis of this passage that we just read this morning is not just that God's grace is wonderful and that it is available to everybody. It is that God's grace is available today. Now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. It wasn't always this time. Or I've been thinking about that this morning. Peter, he writes in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10, Concerning this salvation, the prophets spoke of the grace that was to come. For centuries, the Old Testament prophets pointed forward to the coming Christ. They spoke of a future day when God's grace would be offered to all in a new covenant relationship with God. For example, the prophet Jeremiah, in that wonderful passage in Jeremiah chapter 31, this is what he writes. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. I will put my law in their minds, write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbour or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Amazing prophecy of this new covenant relationship and all those wonderful blessings of God's grace. But Jeremiah and all these other Old Testament prophets, they didn't experience this. They couldn't fully understand the mission of the coming Messiah. They couldn't grasp his sufferings and the glory that was to come. They couldn't come into the peace of that new covenant relationship with God. They couldn't experience the joy of knowing that all of their sins were forgiven, past, present and future. They couldn't know the reality of the indwelling Holy Spirit transforming them into the likeness of His Son. They spoke about it. They promised it. They, they longed for it. They looked forward to it. But they couldn't experience it. Because it wasn't the right time. They spoke of the grace that was to come in a future day. But the amazing news is that day is today. Now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the time when God's grace is available to all. When God invites everyone into all of the incredible blessings that Christ won for us on the cross. I don't think we really grasp this, but we are incredibly blessed to be living in this day and age. In the time of God's favour. When God's grace 
through faith in Jesus is available and is freely given. But this offer won't always be available. Because there's a day of judgment coming. This is what Paul spoke to the the people of Athens. When he stood up in that hugely religious city with all of the idols around. And he said this, that God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. God has set a day when he will say, time's up. No more. None of us know when that day will come. Nobody does. The Bible is very clear about that. The only God knows. But we do know on that day, it will be too late to ask for God's grace. It will be too late to receive God's salvation. For those who have not put their trust in Jesus and accepted Him as their Savior and Lord, they will hear these dreadful words. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This offer of salvation will not always be available. But individually, we might not even have that long. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, Man is destined to die once. And after that to face judgment. Because the offer of God's salvation through God's grace is only for this life. And none of us know when that time on earth, when our time on earth will be over. This is what James says. In James chapter 4 verse 14, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Can we be reminded about that even this week again? With news of car accidents and how simple they can happen. With train wrecks over in, in, in Europe. With suicide bombings again in this world in this week. With a young man in our own community had a headache and, and passed away on the same day with no, sh- no notice. So we are amazingly blessed to be living in this time of God's favour. When the message of God's grace and the offer of salvation is available to anyone and to everyone. But we don't know how long this will be the case. We can't guarantee tomorrow We only know that God's grace is available today. So what does that mean for us? How should we respond to that truth? Well, I think there are two crucial lessons in this passage. And we need to apply them depending on where we are today with God. To some of us, Paul wrote, We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Paul didn't want anyone in this church to hear about the riches of God's grace that were available through Christ 
Antimas, I own them. Because Paul knew that it was possible that some of his readers in that church in Corinth had yet to experience this salvation. Later in this letter, he wrote this in chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves, (coughs) excuse me, to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? This was probably in Paul's mind because he was aware of the influence of the false teachers that had infiltrated this church. These people had stood up and they were twisting God's word. They were adding to or taking away from the gospel. They were preaching a different Jesus. They taught the people that they needed a kind of old covenant idea of rules and regulations and religious rituals in order to try to be good enough for God. But Paul knew. That it's by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The only way to come to God is through His grace. We try and come through rules and regulations and rituals, then we'll never get there. And so Paul encouraged these readers to take time. To evaluate where they stood with God. Had they really accepted this gift of salvation? By grace. Had they really repented from their sin and their self-centeredness and put their faith in Christ as the Savior and Lord of their lives? If they hadn't, then they must not delay. Because now is the time of God's favor. Because now is the day of salvation. And if there's anyone in this situation here this morning, I would urge you not to delay. Yes, I would love for you to have more time to think this thoroughly through, to investigate it all before you make up your mind. Yes, I think it's important that we think about this seriously before we make a decision. Yes, I want you to be able to ask all of your questions and get sufficient answers for them. But honestly, I don't know how long any of us have. I don't know how long this opportunity will last. All I know that is today is God's day of salvation. Today, God is offering you this gift of grace. Today, He invites you to come as you are. So please don't delay. Please don't. Please don't be too late. But there are many of us here this morning who have accepted that gift of grace. We can look back to the time that we put our trust in Jesus, that we received that wonderful blessing of His salvation. We know that we're forgiven. We know that we belong to Christ. But there's a serious challenge for us too. Paul wrote in verse 3 of a passage, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. 
In this letter, Paul has described his ministry as that ministry of the new covenant. The ministry of the Spirit. The ministry that brings righteousness, freedom and reconciliation with God. His ministry was the work of sharing the gospel with this world. Of bringing men and women and young people into relationship with God through faith in Christ Jesus. And he knew how privileged he was to have this ministry. He knew that he'd received it through God's mercy. That it wasn't something that he had deserved, but it was a gift of God's grace and love. As a result, he knew that he had the immense privilege of being one of the servants of God. Serving in God's kingdom. And not only that, he was also one of God's fellow workers. Working in partnership with God, accomplishing God's plan and God's purpose for this world. But Paul knew that this ministry wasn't just an immense privilege. It was also a crucially important responsibility. Paul knew that Jesus was the only way of salvation. And so that ministry of the gospel was the only hope for this world. And so if this was the day of salvation, if this is the only guaranteed day when God's grace is available, Paul resolved to do nothing that would give the gospel of Jesus a bad name. He resolved to do nothing that would hinder people from coming to Christ. Instead, he wrote, we commend ourselves in every way because of the importance and the urgency of this ministry. Paul was willing to do anything and put up with everything in order to draw people to Christ. In the rest of our passage, from verse 4 down to verse 10, Paul listed what this meant for him. He structures it in three groups of nine items. It's quite a comprehensive list of of some of the qualities of Paul's ministry. Don't worry, we're not going to go into each of them individually this morning. But Paul isn't boasting about it. He's not boasting about what he's able to do in order to make this ministry effective. Because he knew that it's by the grace of God I am what I am. Everything that he was able to go through, everything that he was able to do, everything that he was able to overcome was also through God's grace. And so as we read down through that list, then we can learn that what we need If we have trusted in Jesus. If we have trusted in Jesus, then we have been called to the same ministry of reconciliation that Paul was. And we need to receive God's grace to do everything that we can to fulfill God's call in our lives. To share the gospel with this world. As long as it's the day of salvation. So let's just briefly look at these three groups of nine and think about what we can learn from it. Like Paul, first of all we need God's grace to have great endurance. 
Endurance is the ability to persevere. To keep going. To never give up. To stick at it. And Paul says that he was able to do this. And that he had to do this in his Christian life. In troubles. And hardships. And distresses. Through the normal difficulties and challenges of life, Paul kept on going. He stuck at it. In beatings, imprisonments and riots, these are the attacks that came because of his commitment to Christ. Even when the world was against him and treated him so badly, he still stuck at it. And in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger these are the demands of living for Christ still Paul had that endurance to keep on going because God's grace is sufficient for him but secondly we also like Paul need to be need God's grace to be equipped for effective service look at verse 6 and 7 is Paul's, how Paul describes the, the quality of his service. He says, impurity, understanding, patience and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in, severe, in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. We, can't, we don't have time to go into the details of all of that. But clearly Paul is saying that we don't have the power, we don't have the strength, we don't have the resources to serve effectively in our own strength, in our own ability. It's God's work. So it needs to be done, excuse me, it needs to be done in God's way. So we need God's power to live a Christ-like life. And God's power to minister in a Christ-like way. This is how God wants to empower us for the service that he's called us to. But thirdly, like Paul, we also need God's grace to overcome the world's criticisms and rejection and the way that the world looks on things and values things and evaluates things and to be able to see who we really are in Christ. To live not by sight, but to be able to live by faith. So Paul says in verse 8, through glory and dishonour. Because whatever the world says about us, God will bring us to share in this glory. Bad report and good report. Because whatever the world thinks about us, God will accept us. Genuine, yet regarded as imposters, because however the world accuses us, we know that God has called us. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Because even if we are insignificant in the world's eyes, we know that God has adopted us and we are His children. Dying, yet we live on. Because whatever this world does to us, God has given us eternal life. 
beaten and yet not killed because however much the world attacks us, we know that God's grace is sufficient for us. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Because even if we go through trouble in this world, we know that God's joy is indestructible. Poor, yet making many rich. Because even if we are in need, we share the message of God's salvation, which is invaluable. Which is that treasure, greater than any other treasure. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. Because even if we have nothing in the eyes of the world, God's gifts to us are incomparable. If we stand in the security of God's grace, then whatever this world thinks of us, or says about us, or does to us, we can overcome. We can keep on serving God. We can keep on sharing this gospel. We can keep on speaking about Christ. Because God's grace is enough for us. So two weeks to Christmas. Hope you get your Christmas shopping done this week. Don't leave it to Christmas Eve. It's a bad idea. Been there. But much, much more importantly, if you haven't accepted God's grace yet, don't delay, please. Because now is the day of God's favour. And if you have, then I hope that today you will depend on God's grace to have the endurance and the equipping and the encouragement to keep on going with the gospel, no matter what. Because now is the day of salvation.